0: Thank you, worship team. That was fun. It was awesome. New. Different. All those things. Thank you. Well, good morning. Happy Valentine's Day. We're here this morning to uh, take a look at something that is obviously near and dear to my heart. It's... um, Really, something I've been studying for a lot of years, but it's something that God has brought up here recently, just by way of examination, just by way of inspiration, uh, by way of helping others in their struggles that they have um, in their in their Christian faith, and we're going to be taking a look at what I perceive to be uh, the key to victory in this Christian life. There are many things, but obviously uh, there's, there's one critical thing. And so that's what we're going, to, uh, we're going to look at this morning. But before we do that, let's, uh, let's bow our heads. I need, I need to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being here. We ask that you would cancel the enemy's assignment against us here this morning, that we would have the freedom to hear, and that you would give me the freedom to speak. Lord, I just pray that you would use this time to your praise and glory and honor. Uh, Father, I pray that you would bless the hearers and we'll trust you for the outcome. Amen. You know, I've been, um, I've been counseling out at Christian Life Ministries. When I say counseling, literally it's discipling. Um, I'm helping people walk with Jesus because there is no other way for a person to change than to walk with Jesus. Uh, that may sound awful narrow, but Jesus said he, his way was narrow. And, and you know, I believe it. But in the course of 23 years out there, I've watched a lot of people change. I've, lo- I've watched a lot of people experience victory in their Christian life. And As such, I've watched them experience victory in their physical life with addictions and with with all these different uh, You know burdens that they carry and the hurts the wounds that uh, That we experience in this lifetime that distort our thinking which which you know messes with the way we live our life but I've, I've watched people change but not everybody and I've noticed in, over the years, I've, I know what it is that brings about change. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. It seems like maybe, uh, oh, I don't know, kind of a weird question. But, but really, what Jesus do you believe in? What Jesus do you believe in? Do you believe in Jesus, the Son of Man? Do you believe in Jesus, the Son of God? He's referred to as both in the scriptures. You need to believe in them both. But what I find is so many people put their faith in Jesus, the Son of Man. We're six weeks away right now from Easter, from Resurrection Sunday seems like we're just talking about Christmas. Christmas obviously was when Jesus, uh, Emmanuel, God with us, stepped out of eternity into time and took on a human earth suit with the limitations that you and I have. God himself becoming a man. But as we approach this season, this season of uh, you know, where we, we look at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, this season seems to um, mystify people. It, it, seems, it seems to escape a lot of people. Why would Jesus do what he did? We're very familiar with the events of this season, but what I find is many Christians aren't aware of the meaning and the import of this season, the events that we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday. The Christian, the victorious Christian life really truly depends on our understanding of what happened before the cross, on the cross, and after the cross. And if our focus is simply that of the man Jesus, the son of man Jesus, we are going to miss the most important part. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to the text I'm going to be coming from this morning is uh, out of Romans. Romans chapter 5 starting in verse 6. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare to even die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. I want you to notice uh, a couple things there. First of all, that it was at the right time It's that time we're coming up, we're approaching, celebrating, looking back. But it was the right time. Everything is in God's time. He's without time. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He he knows all things. He's seen all things. And at that moment in time, he broke into this world as a man, like you and I, to do something for man that he could not do for himself, that man could not do for himself. God was going to reconcile man back to himself. And if you recall, the reason, the need for this is that way back when, in the garden, when man and God walked together in the garden, the way God designed man to be, the spirit of God and the spirit of man united living in the same earth suit the same tent the same body one is a male one is a female but god being the inspiration of both who would lead them as they as they learned to live and to love on this planet but in that relationship as with all we we look at valentine's day a celebration of of love The greatest love is that of God toward his people. God is love. Love is of God. We can't do this thing called love without him. But love is also a choice. And in the garden, he gave man the choice as to whether or not he wanted to remain in this relationship with a loving, omnipotent, omnipresent God. And man chose... end that relationship by eating from the tree and thus declaring he wanted to be God and decide what is good and what is evil rather than trust God in his word God honored that choice withdrew his spirit from man's spirit leaving him dead spiritually dead in his trespasses and sins that that barrier now stood between God and man God could not inhabit man because of sin What fellowship does light have with darkness? They cannot coexist. So there was that barrier now of sin between man and God, and and clearly right from the get-go, it was demonstrated that man had no clue who God was anymore. They began to fear God, the one who created them, to love them. And they tried to hide, and we've all done it. We're all born in that condition now, separated alienated from God because of sin. But that's what we approach this season for. When we look at this season coming up, the events that took place on the on the cross and and the and in the and in the tomb that's the critical understanding we have to have in order to be restored back to the design. Remember at the cross When Jesus who knew no sin became our sin for us something happened that barrier that veil that stood in the temple as a physical picture of that Barrier of sin that stood between God and man when Jesus said it was finished that veil tore ripped from top to bottom, signifying that it, it was God who did it. And thus there was the reconciliation. That which stood between God and man was now gone. Now we want to back up a minute here because this is where people get lost. They, they, look, at, they look at the events of Good Friday and they focus on the physical death of Jesus Christ. And it was a brutal death. It was a horrible death. He was beaten beyond recognition. We know that. We've looked at it. We've, we've you know, listened to sermons on it. Uh, we, can't, we can't even comprehend the brutality of, of the death. But this is where people get lost because they focus on what happened to Jesus, the Son of Man. Did you know that over 80 times in the Gospels, and I'll keep in mind some of these are repeats from, you know, each Gospel records events, uh, but 80 times in the Gospels, Jesus himself refers to himself as the Son of Man. In other words, the humanity of God. We have to understand he was like us. He felt. He perceived. He he tasted. He spoke. He heard. He touched. He had a body like yours and mine. Physical. But yet it was God, Emmanuel, God with us. It was God as that man. So he refers to himself in the way the men of the time, the men and women of the time, could understand him. We find out in in, uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2, it says, The man without the spirit, in other words, all men who are born into this world, separated from God spiritually, the man without the spirit cannot comprehend the things of the spirit of God. They're foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually appraised. So God had to Speak to them on their level thus the Old Testament the events of the Old Testament so many of them are types symbols and what of uh, pictures painting Painting the problem with man uh, Explaining what God was going to do to reconcile the man to himself and and what till you get to Jesus Christ who where and it was God who was man now But Jesus remember he spoke in parables Mostly because he used physical things to teach spiritual truths because man couldn't comprehend him as God That's why he referred to himself Repeatedly as the son of man in other words identifying with them. I'm one of you except I'm different I'm different Here's the thing if you look at Matthew chapter 20 He's explaining to his disciples what a real man looks like. He said, it is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He said, the first thing you got to understand is it's not about you. He says, it's not about me. I didn't come to be served, but to serve that's what a real man looks like but in order to serve you have to have something to give and he understood they were bankrupt but they didn't understand that which is why his life was so bizarre to them because he was serving he was doing things that Nicodemus even identified no one can do the things that you do unless God is with him well there you go there's the answer. It was God, the Spirit of God, working through the manhood of Jesus, doing the things that God does. He serves. And that's what he created man to do, bearing his image. So you could see God in the man, Jesus, the Son of Man. His life was clearly different than anybody, than anybody else's. In Matthew 17, 9, it says, as they were coming down from the mountain, this is the mount we call the Mount of Transfiguration, where, where Jesus took his disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John, up on the mountain, and they let, he let them see something. He was glorified. They got to see him as the Son of God. Without being confined without being subdued by the, human, by the, by the physical uh, being. We don't know what that looked like, but they did. They saw it and they were blown away. And you know what he told them? Jesus commanded them saying, tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. He said, no one's going to get it. No one's going to believe you. You can't describe it, but I'm going to let you see it. I am the son of God and the son of man. I was born of the Virgin Mary and I breathe and bleed like you do. But I'm also fully God. I am actually the one who created you. I am the one who spoke this whole thing into existence and I'm the one who knit you together in your mother's womb. They weren't going to get it yet. That's why he said, tell no one until I have risen from the dead. What were they? they didn't even know what that meant. What do you mean, risen from the dead? Well, they did get it after he was raised from the dead. But what I want you to grasp is that these guys understood God as a man Because that's how people, lost people, will understand God in men. That's the role of a Christian. But we're not going to fulfill that role if we don't understand what happened on the cross and in the tomb. We're going to miss it. We're going to go through life laboring, trying to please God rather than recognizing he is pleased with us. We're going to labor trying to work for God rather than recognizing he wants to work through us with us. And that's a big difference. There were over 80 references to God as or to Jesus as the son of man. And there's over 50 references in the New Testament, as Jesus referred to as the Son of God. But most of those are after the Gospels. There's not that very many in the Gospels. In fact, Jesus spoke of himself as the Son of God. I counted them up this morning. I may have missed one, uh, but there's four. 80 verses, 4. Why? Well, here's one of them, Luke twenty-two seventy. And they all said, this is at the time of the, the trial, the, the mock trial. Are you the son of God then, they asked? And he said to them, yes, I am. Because he was. He was God incarnate. No one could get that. That's why only those three got to see that. And he said, don't tell anybody because you'll get it wrong anyway. You won't be able to explain it. Nobody could understand that. That's why he didn't emphasize that that much because they weren't going to get it till later. Clearly later. But there was another group of created beings that did get it. In Mark 3, verse 11 it says whenever the unclean spirits saw him they would fall down before him and shout you are the son of God Luke 4 41 demons also were coming out of many shouting you are the son of God but rebuking them he would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ doesn't that seem kind of weird that the demons recognize the demons who are spiritual beings could see spiritual things. They saw he was God. And they knew they were nothing in his presence. They clearly proclaimed him as the son of God, but he told them to silent, be silent because they knew him to be the Christ. That was going to be proven over and over and over again as he worked his life as he worked his miracles as he made himself available he said I don't do anything on my own initiative everything I do I do by direction of my father and as he made himself available to the father the father did miraculous things through him and his life was so clearly different that people were amazed but they still didn't understand So they crucified him, and that was necessary. It's a hard thing to say, but it was necessary. For you and for me, it was necessary. And here's what people miss, from my estimation. I think far too many Christians, and some maybe not even Christians, identify with Jesus the man they see Jesus in his physical form getting beaten and bruised and wounded and nailed to a cross to the point of that body expiring and then thrown into a tomb and then raised again. And you know, that all happened. But it happened for a reason. That was, again, another physical picture of what was happening to Jesus the Son of God. You see, the wages of sin was death. Separation from God, like we talked about happened to Adam. That's the barrier that had to be removed, is the sin. Someone other than any men, because they were all born dead, someone had to come and pay that debt a mankind debt that mankind owed but could not pay. So God stepped out of eternity into time as that man with the ransom, his life, his union with the Spirit of God. And when he went to the cross, he looked out and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They have no clue that they're hanging the creator of them on a cross because all they can see is limited to this earth. But then it says, he who knew no sin became our sin. He didn't lay down his... He didn't die because of his sin... He laid down his life because of ours. He became our sin, and in that moment, the spirit of the living Father separated himself from the Son of Man. And he hung there for three hours, a God-forsaken man. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Remember, the sky went black, another physical picture of uh, of a spiritual truth. The light of the world had gone out, and that at the end of that time on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. The wrath of God, which we looked at in in Romans 5 there, was poured out on him instead of you and me. Praise be to God. And he paid it in full. And that's when his body expired That's when they placed it in the grave. But what a lot of people don't recognize is what happened to Jesus, the soul of Jesus, what happened to the spirit of Jesus during that time. But remember what he said to the man on the cross with him. Today, this very day, you will be with me in paradise. The spirit of Jesus was... Joined again with the spirit of the father and he went to that place called paradise where the righteous saints of old Were waiting for their ransom to be paid and he stood before them and said Here I am the Savior that you put your faith in and I've paid your debt and What a celebration that must have been but then After three days, it was time to raise that physical body again so that the spirit of Jesus and the spirit of the living God reunited again, could inhabit that tent again so that they could for 40 days demonstrate to the disciples who believed that he had had victory on the cross. Their debt had been paid. Now there was nothing keeping them from being reunited with the spirit of God. Jesus said, when I ascend, I will send my helper, the Holy Spirit. He will lead you into all truth. He will bring to remembrance all that I told you. Jesus was resurrected spiritually. Born again, if you will. He was the firstborn among the dead. He forfeited his spiritual life like Adam did. But the Father, pleased with the sacrifice of the Son, washed all of your sin and mine away from him, leaving him free to be inhabited by the Spirit of the Father again. And that was the resurrection. That's Jesus, the Son of God, laying his life down. Jesus, the one who created us. God who is love, love who is of God. That demonstrated how much he wants that union of you and him and all of us together to happen. It's his desire that none should perish, but all come to everlasting life. But what I find over and over and over again is that people are putting their faith in Jesus, the son of man, and all the physical things that happened to him, and they miss that Jesus, the son of God, so loves them that he died. And now, once they pray to receive Christ, once they accept that that gift that he purchased for them on the cross, his very spirit now inhabits them. It says that we were raised with him. But you know what it takes? you got to believe it. It takes faith. Total faith. All those healings that Jesus did, and this is what I want to challenge you to do over the next six weeks as we approach Resurrection Sunday. I really want to encourage you to get into your Bible and read the Gospels. Read all four of them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read them all. Look at what Jesus said. Look at what he did. Look at who he said it to. Look at what he said about himself and what he said about us. And then look at what happened on the cross. Look at what happened during that time. But don't miss what he did in healing people, you know those healings that he did over and over and over again, it's interesting, and I want this is what I really want you to pay attention to. look at what he healed. They were all physical pictures of spiritual problems, spiritual afflictions. One being death. He raised people from the dead. One being blindness. They couldn't see spiritually. They couldn't hear spiritually. They couldn't speak spiritual things. They were lame. They were were unclean. Leprosy was a picture of uncleanness. And, And in all those things that Jesus healed, he said, be it done to you. First of all, he asked, do you believe? They were coming to him because they believed he could make them well. And then he said, be it done to you according to your faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And I'm going to challenge you this morning. Do you believe you're a child of the Most High God? Do you believe that the Spirit of the Creator now dwells within you and has given life to your spirit? Have you accepted that gift of God, which is eternal life, His life? Do you know who you are? Being born anew, being born again? You're a child of the king, an heir to everything he has. You're a prince or a princess, a royal priesthood, holy nation, ambassador of Christ. More than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. If you're struggling with something in your life, what can't God fix? What isn't God sufficient for? Nothing. He's there to live his life victoriously through you. You're not doing this for him. Apart from him, you can do nothing. But you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. What are you struggling with? Guilt? There's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you dealing with something that you just can't, seem to get have you given it to God? Have you said God, I can't beat this, but you have. I'm going to walk with you through this. Have you have you have you given it to God? Why does this community not see the brightness of Jesus Christ in those who believe? I contend it's because we're putting our faith in Jesus the Son of Man versus Jesus the Son of God. He loves you. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, remaining between you and Him. And if you've never, if you've never acknowledged your need and you've never invited the living God the spirit of God into your life today's the day to do it because you don't have to live struggling anymore yeah we're still gonna we're still gonna make mistakes because now we got to relearn how to live we got to rethink things as a child of God rather than a child of man that's what renewing your mind is all about but what's got you tripped up you don't have to be tripped up so as you come to this season Remember what he said, John 3. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Romans five ten. If then we have been reconciled through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, that veil tore. It's not there anymore. We're reconciled back to, to God through the death of his son, but much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Don't be focused on the reconciliation. Be focused on the life that you share with him. And in that you'll find victory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for paying everything. Thank you for truly taking all of the sin of the world to the grave. You said it is finished, and I pray that all of us in this room believe that. But Father, we praise you that 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 took care of that veil, that, that took care of that barrier between you and us. But Father, the expression of love that we give to you is believing you and thanking you and receiving from you your life. And I pray that that if we've never really comprehended that this morning, that we would ponder that until we get it. So, Father, I pray that this would be a season of resurrection, a season where truly we understand what you did on the cross and, and what you did in the resurrection, raising us with you. And we'll trust you for the outcome of our life once we understand that there's nothing nothing we can't do and we'll trust you for that in Jesus name amen amen amen